Mark chapter 8. We're going to read here directly in uh, verse number 34. Mark chapter 8 and verse number 34. While you're turning there, I heard a story here a while back about a man that had a mule. And uh, his mule, he was a good mule. I mean a good one. He trained this mule to jump fences on command. He could saddle ride it. It would pull a plow, pull a wagon, whatever he wanted to do with it. It was a great mule, good mule. And uh, everybody in the community knew about this man's mule. Well, there was one neighbor that would like to have that mule. He wanted to buy it. He tried to trade for it. Every week, every time he seen him, he'd say, man, I'd really like to get that mule. I'd like to buy it from you. Well, he didn't want to sell it. And he said, well, how would you trade? How would you trade on it? He was always trying to trade for this mule. And he wouldn't have nothing to do with it. He said, well, you wouldn't want him. He's not that good. Different things like that. One day, the man found out his mule. He went out to feed him. And he was a little poorly acting. He didn't want to eat right. He called the vet. The vet kept came, looked his mule over real good. He said, I got bad news. Your mule is fixing to die. It's on his last leg. I'm fixing to give him some shots. That'll help him feel better, perk him up a little bit. But in the next few days, he's going to die. He ain't no good. He's done. The man instantly thought, I wish I would have traded that thing off last time I seen my neighbor and let it die for him. But, uh, he didn't, and it just so happened that day, he went to the feed store and met his neighbor at the feed store, and same thing, every time they met, he wanted to buy that mule. He said, I've got to be honest with you, the mule is about to die. It's not any good. The vet's been out, he said it don't look good for him, he just has a few days to live at the most. Well, he thought he was just trying to downplay his mule again, and he just wanted him the more. And uh, so a deal was made, finally. He paid $400 and bought the man's mule. Came and looked at him. He was so excited. He took it home, took it and set it out in the pasture. And he told his wife, I finally got that mule bought. He said, the best mule in the county. And I only had to get $400 for it. <laughs> the next morning, he went out to feed the mule. And there it was. Legs sticking up in the air. Graveyard dead. And he was unhappy because he had bought this mule. He thought his neighbor had taken advantage of him. He went to him and he said, look, the mule's dead. He died. He said, I tried to tell you. He said, well, could you help me out on this? I mean, we got $400. He said, I told you. He said, you insisted. You wanted to buy this thing. So he left unhappy. He's out $400. He's got a dead mule. He don't know what to do. Hard feelings is coming. A couple weeks later, the original owner of the mule, back in town one day, meets his neighbor. His conscience pricks him just a little bit that he'd sold his neighbor a dying mule for $400. And he said, I hope that there's no hard feelings over this trade that we made. He said, no, I've got over it. He said, in fact, I came out better than what I came into it. And he said, how did that happen? He said, I sold raffle tickets for $5 a piece. A hundred of them made $500 on that mule. He said, didn't anybody complain that you sold a dead mule? He said, one guy did, but I gave him his money back. <laughs> so there's always somebody willing to make a trade Willing to make a deal. <clears throat> I had a neighbor not too long ago that had a deal came up. He had a uh, cow showed up in his pasture. An old Charlay heifer on its last leg, skinny, looked like it was fixing to die. And here it is in his pasture with all of his nice pretty black cows. He was disappointed to see it there. Knew it had to belong to one of his neighbors that didn't take care of their cattle very well because this thing looked horrible. What had actually happened was one of his good friends had went and bought this thing at the sale barn. Gave nearly nothing for it. I think $50. Couldn't get a bid on it. So he bought it 
with the intentions of taking it to his good friend's house and turning it out in the pasture just so he could have the pleasure of dealing with this old dying Charlie Heifer. He called all of his neighbors. He pinned it up, gave it medicine, feeding it. Hated to see it die on his own property, especially if it belonged to somebody next to him. Could not find an owner. So the light bulb started ringing, and the bells are coming on. And he says, I've got to get rid of this thing, and I've got to make some money on it in the process. I happened to work with the man, and he said, Jeremy, you need a Charlotte heifer on your farm. I said, no, I don't. I've heard about this heifer. He said, oh, it's better. I've given it some medicine. I've given it some shots. It needed some groceries. It's doing well. I'd like for you to have this heifer. I said, I don't need it. Don't want it. Don't want nothing to do with it. But he kept insisting. He said, how would you trade for it? I said, I ain't got no money for no Charlotte heifer. He said, would you trade me? He said, we can make a deal. We'll do a trade. He said something, and, then we'll, and he just constantly, after, I mean, a couple of weeks go by, and every day at lunchtime in the morning of the evening before we go home from work, how would you trade for this heifer? And he's coming up with all kinds of solutions. I'm having a good time <laughs> because I'm, I'm just interested in the, in the next deal that he's coming up with, and then I would find something else. You know, I, I tried to trade him some 20-inch rims, low profile or wheels, tires. He said, I got no use for them. I didn't have any, but I wanted to trade some for him. <laughs> he said, I couldn't put them on my farm truck. I said, I can sell you some rims to go with them. You know, so it was just a good time all together for, for us. And he finally figured out that a deal was not going to be made. And the next thing I knew, my brother comes driving in with a Charlotte heifer in a trailer. <laughs> he had bought this heifer off this man. And he was so excited. And the man I worked with was happy. And everybody was happy. But uh, we had a Charlotte heifer that was not the greatest. It did go to the cell barn and, and it all came out okay. But there was, a, there was a trade made. So everybody's always looking for a trade. <clears throat> we all know somebody that loves to make a deal. They live for the thrill of a deal. They're willing to trade just about anything with the hopes of coming out ahead. Somehow, it always seems that what they have is better than what I have. But for some reason, they want it. I don't, I don't understand that. They don't like my stuff. It ain't no good, but they still want it. That's the way that works. <clears throat> In our text this evening, in Mark chapter 8, we'll start reading in verse number 34. The Bible says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whatsoever therefore shall be ashamed, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father within the holy angels. Let's pray this evening. Lord, I just want to thank you for allowing us to come out to your house again tonight, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to stand behind the pulpit, Lord, and to present the gospel, Lord, and to read from your word. And God, I just thank you for all those that's come, and I ask God that you'll help us to be attentive to your word tonight, Lord. Those that are listening online, God, I pray that you be with them, and thank you for them, Lord. God, I ask for your power tonight as I preach, Lord. I ask that your anointing will be with us, Lord, that your spirit will be down here, God, with us, and, and that God will give you the glory for everything that's said and done here tonight, Lord. God, I ask that you'll pray, I pray that you'll help me to, to preach quickly and clearly, and in Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message this evening is, How Would You Trade? Every one of us is in the trading business. Every single one of us. <clears throat> We trade all kinds of different things. We trade time for money. We go get paid so much an hour. 
And then we trade money for goods and services. And the cycle goes on and on. We pay, we trade all kinds of different things. Our occupation, a lot of times your occupation is even called a trade. They say, what trade do you follow? When you go to the store in the old days, they had what they called trade goods. Now they just call them supplies or whatever. I don't know what they call them now, junk mostly. But uh, when you go to the store, they had trade goods. And sometimes you would trade for those, uh, not just go in and buy things, but you would trade what you had. If you didn't have money, you would trade eggs for a, for a sack of salt or, or whatever it may be. I remember hearing my granddad telling about his grandpa plowing a field up one spring. And after he'd bought his seed and everything, he had a silver dollar left in his pocket. And he carried that silver dollar all the way until fall when he harvested his crop. Didn't need to go buy nothing. Or what he did buy, he got, he traded for. They traded eggs. They traded different things like that. They farmed and they had these things and they would trade them. So that was all the trade goods. Stores called their inventory trade goods. Uh, trade agreements are made among nations. Big business right there. Lots of different things going on in trades. Charles Spurgeon said, Spiritually, a man is a great trader. He's trading for his own welfare, and he is trading for time and eternity. He keeps two shops. One shop is kept by an apprentice of his, a rough and unseemly hand of clay mold called the body. Another business, which is infinitely more vast in concern, is kept by the one that is called the soul, a spiritual being who does not traffic upon little things, but who deals with heaven or hell and trades with the mighty realities of eternity. We all are in a trading business. In verse 36 and 37 of our text tonight, the Bible says, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I want to ask you tonight, how are you trading? Spurgeon said that of these two shops, he said the greater care and attention should be given to the one with the eternal consequences. But many people, it seems, want to spend all their attention and they want to turn all their time to that rough little shop of this world, of this body. And that's where they want to spend all their time and their attention. That's where most of their trade goes to. And they don't even consider the other shop. It just kind of runs in the background. And the one that does the greatest business. Another thing is that uh, it's interesting that according to the interest that you give to each shop, it affects the other greatly. What I'm trying to say is if you're giving a lot of interest to your worldly shop, your worldly business, the temporal things in this life, it's going to affect your other business that has the eternal consequences of heaven or hell. Once you give attention to your shop, your eternal shop, your eternal business, it's going to affect your worldly business. You understand what I'm saying? If you're spending time trying to make sure that you're about God's business and you're trying to do the things that God would have you do, you're seeking for eternity to to make sure that you're doing what God would have you to do. It's going to affect the way you live in this world. If If you're in the business and you're talking about your eternal life and you're just leaving that eternal life alone, if you're talking about your spirituality and you're talking about heaven or hell and you really don't give a flip about it and you just leave it alone, it's going to affect how you deal with people in this world. It's going to affect your worldly business. 
Because you think in your mind, if I have no eternal consequences, then what difference does it make how I live today? Makes no difference. There's three points that I want to look at tonight. First of all, the world's gain, and then the soul, heaven or hell, and then thirdly, our trade. The Bible says about talking about gaining the whole world with our earthly bodies. If we were to gain the world, we would be concerned about money. We would be concerned about our finances. We would be concerned about trying to make every dime that we can make to be successful in the world's eyes. The money, we want to gain all the money we can in the world. That's what some people strive for. That's all they want to do is they want to make money. They want to earn money and they want to become wealthy and they want to become rich so they can have power, so they can have things, so they can own stuff, so they can have uh, whatever it may be, so they can have the uh, <clears throat> fun, so they can have a good time, whatever appeals to their, to their body or their flesh that that money can give them. And that's all they live for. To make all they can in the world. The Bible says we could gain the whole world. We could have every ounce of money. You could have all the money, all the power, all the fame, and still lose your soul. Not a very good trade. We can gain power, possessions, positions, pleasure. What is it in this world that you're looking to gain? And what would you trade for it? You know, a lot of times for our, we're looking for money, and I, you know, and I'm talking about this money in the world. And you know, don't get me wrong, money is not a horrible thing. I kind of like to have some every once in a while. I enjoy buying groceries and eating them. Okay, I like to ride in a pickup. And not have to walk. I'm spoiled. Okay. Some things we have to have money for. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a nicer pickup. There's nothing wrong with having a piece of property. There's nothing wrong with possessions. And we have to live in this world. We have to have these things. You have to work. The Bible says if you don't work, you're not to eat. And I like to eat. Amen. That's a good thing. But what would you trade in order to get this money? What would you trade in order to have these possessions? Are you trading time with the Lord? Are you trading time with your family? Are you what? What are you? What are you trading out? What are you compromising in your life in order to gain these things in the world? The second thing about the world. A lot of people say, hey, you've only got one life to live. Live it. Boy, go out there and just do everything you want to do. You just get one time around. You might as well have fun. You might as well have a good time. Don't worry about anything else or anyone else. It's your life. Just go out and live it. Make your mark upon the world. People want to gain the world. The devil likes to give us lies in our life. There is an element of truth to that, that we do only have one life to live on this earth. But in reality, that life was a precious gift given to you by a mighty creator, the one and only God that breathe the breath of life into your body. But the other thing is, there is life after death. There's an eternity. And there's eternal consequences. <clears throat> the Bible talks about Solomon in all of his glory and his power and his riches and everything he had. He said it was all vanity under the sun. 
In Acts chapter 26, the Bible talks about King Agrippa when he said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul didn't want to trade, or Agrippa didn't want to trade. He had the power, he was the king, he had the riches, he had the control. And I think after listening to Paul talk to him, he knew the truth of what Paul was saying. But he was not willing to trade all that stuff. He was afraid that, hey, if I become a Christian, if I, if I follow after this Jesus, I'm going to lose all this. I'm going to lose my respect. I'm going to lose my kingdom. I'll lose my power. And he was almost persuaded, but he didn't want to trade. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 19, the Bible says about the word, it says, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Some people, it seems, have everything going their way. They just enjoy everything that the world has to offer. They can live however they want. And you think, how can they live so godlessly? How can they just be a part of this world? How can they, how can they just turn against everything that seems right? Whatever the Bible says or whatever the Word says, they mock and they scoff at it. Yet they still seem to be successful in this world. They still have, it seems, everything that they need. They've got money. They've got possessions. They've got acceptance. Everybody loves them, it seems. It's because they're seeking after the cares of the world. They've abandoned the other shop, the other business, the eternal And all they're looking for is to gain the world. They want to have everything they can, get everything they can. And it seems that it's working for them. But there's a consequence. There's a payday coming. I've known some people that, that think that, like I said earlier, you know, there's nothing wrong with having these things, this money. These possessions. God knows that we need these things. And I've heard people say that, you know, well, that person's got a lot of money or that person's rich. And I just, you know, the Bible says that it's hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. I don't believe they're saved. You know, it's pretty hard, it's pretty hard of us to try to judge somebody's spirituality or their, or their position with the Lord based on their checkbook or their bank account. I don't see where the Bible tells us that. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 29, it says, Seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now I'm not up here to try to preach a prosperity gospel. I'm not trying to tell you that once you seek God first and you ask God, everything's going to go great and there's a check coming in the mail. That's not what I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you that God knows what you need. God knows what I need. God knows that I don't need a big bank account. God knows that I don't need a brand new pickup. I'm kind of hard on the one I got. A brand new one would just be rougher. They cost a lot of money. Cost a lot of money to fix them. Does anybody know that parts are more for newer trucks than they are for older trucks? Anybody figured that out yet? <clears throat> On top of that, I'd have to take it to one of my mechanic friends to fix it because I don't know how. <clears throat> Which shop are you giving the most attention, time, and effort? That of the body, the physical, 
this present world or that business of the soul. The next point I want to look at this evening is losing the soul. If you're still there in our text, Mark chapter 8, verse number 35. Bible says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Now that's pretty simple, but we can make it pretty complicated. And we get to thinking, boy, that just don't make no sense. You're going to save your life to lose it, lose your life to save it. Let me put it this way and confuse you even more. There's nothing that you can do to merit heaven. But if you do nothing, you're going to merit hell. If that makes sense. We can't be good enough. There's nothing that we can do. There's no works that you can do. There's no thing that you can do in this eternal business. There's no trading that you can do to make things work out to where you're going to be able to go to heaven. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's nothing of us. Nothing that we can do. But on the contrary, if you do nothing, you're guilty already. You're on your way to hell. And all you got to do to get there is nothing. Nothing. You can try to do something or you can do nothing. But you're on your way there. Without accepting Jesus Christ, you're already guilty. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. In, verse number, in chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In chapter 5 and verse 12, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world? And death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. God created us in His own image. Sin defiles that image. God has several attributes. I'm trying to give you the gospel as plain as I know how tonight. God's most number one attribute is His holiness. Nothing more. Everybody says, oh, God's love. Yes, God's love is great. You know what? God gave His only Son. He made Himself a sacrifice for this world because He loved this world. But because God is so holy, He cannot allow any sin in His presence at all. God is also just. The Bible says that we have only to accept Him, accept His Son, accept the sacrifice, the free gift that He's given us. And in God's justice, He'll take Christ's righteousness and put on us to allow us to be able to go to heaven. But in contrary, if you don't accept it, his free gift, then you're rejecting it. By doing nothing, you have rejected God's sacrifice. You have rejected God's love. You have rejected God's gift. How many of you have ever given somebody a gift of any kind and they just kind of looked at it and went, oh, yeah? You know, maybe they took it, but they're like, oh, great, a pen. That's just what I needed. Thank you. 
Didn't make you feel great, didn't it? Can you imagine the ultimate gift that God has given us, the ultimate love that He has passed upon the whole world? He took His only begotten Son, perfect, infallible. He sent Him to this earth to die, to be crucified, to take our punishment. And we look at it and we say, that's great, God. Oh, that's great. Thanks, but no thanks. Oh, yeah, I believe what you've done. I believe in Jesus. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Me and God's good. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble. And you're saying, you know what, God, I don't need what you're giving us. I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want your son. You've done this, but i got no use for it. I'm going to make my own way. Or I don't even think this. I don't believe in you. I don't believe this exists. I just live for me and for now. In God's justice, He's going to do what's right. And there's going to be a punishment. How would you trade? Are you interested in trading for the world? How would you trade for eternity? My last point this evening. How would you trade in the lies of the devil about salvation? Each and every person that's ever heard the gospel has also heard the devil talking to him. He's got all kinds of lies. He's got all kinds of stories to tell you. Oh, you're good. You're a good person. You ain't never killed nobody. He'll tell you, oh, but what are you going to lose? What are you going to have to give up? What's your friends going to think? What's everybody around you going to think? You've been in church your whole life. Everybody thinks you're saved. What are you going to have to give up to become a Christian? What if you sell out for Jesus? What if you decide to be a Christian? What if God asks you to be a preacher? What if God asks you to start becoming more modest than what you are now? Because you know it's right. What are you going to have to give up? Are you going to have to give up some money? Are you going to have to give up some acceptance? Are you going to have to give up some pleasures? All these things of the world. You're going to have to trade that. You can't have that no more. It's a trade. You're going to become a Christian. You're, you're going to lose out on this. You're going to miss out on this experience. Maybe you can just wait a while. You've got time. Let's just trade out some time. How would you trade with the devil? You've got to give up your dreams, your friends, positions, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Things of this world, it's all temporal. And the devil will sit there and lie to you like these things are eternal. These things that you're worried about giving up, they're just temporal. They just last for a little while. Compared to eternity, you're trying to trade some green dollars that are worth worth less and less all the time. Compared to eternity... You're trying to trade friendships that are false friendships anyway. They're just using you. How would you trade? The Bible says that basically you're trading the law for grace. You're trading the law for grace. You're trading death for life. You're trading fear for peace. Trouble for hope. Filthy rags for Christ's righteousness. Friends for a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The filth of the world for being washed in the blood. 
how would you trade tonight? Pastor preached not too long ago about Moses. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He traded out. He said, I got no use for this world. That stuff's temporal anyway. There's a God in heaven. His service. How would you trade? Sacrifice. How would you trade? The Bible talks about in Genesis, Abraham with Isaac, his son. He was going to sacrifice his son. God asked him to take his son and sacrifice it to him. Abraham was willing to make that sacrifice. I wonder how we trade. What little sacrifice is God asking us to make tonight? What little sacrifice do you have is God talking about? There's something you're thinking about tonight. You know what? God has a plan for your life. God has a direction for your life. He has things that He wants to do with you. He wants you to give service to Him. But there's a few things you're going to have to sacrifice. How are you going to trade? Are you willing to give a sacrifice to God? Whatever it may be. Your time. Your money. Your family. Your friends. Are you willing to sell out to the Lord? Are you willing to let Him be the King on your life? Abraham was ready to sacrifice. The Bible tells us in in Job chapter 2 and verse 4 that Satan, when he answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. A lot of times God's asking us to sacrifice. God's asking us to, to give ourselves to Him. So what? You know what, Lord? Let, let me give a little bit bigger offering next week. I can afford to put a little bit bigger check in the box. But I just really can't give it myself. I can't set up behind a pulpit. I can't witness to that person. I can't go up there and, and do this or, or sing in the choir or, or whatever it may be. God's asking you to give of yourself. And just like the devil told the Lord, we do the exact same thing. We're willing to give anything we have, but not give of ourselves. We're not wanting to give ourselves to God, give ourselves over to God, to place Him in control, to put Him as the, on the throne of your life. And say, you know what, God, whatever you want from me, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to be, wherever you want me to go. Instead, we, we want to live our own life. We have too many thoughts and concerns of that old shop of the body and the world. There's things that we just don't want to get turned loose of. Instead of just turning it over, we've still got that flesh nature inside of us. God's going to provide your needs. God's going to give you what you need. God's not going to put nothing on you that you're not going to be able to bear. He just wants you. He just wants me. Is that too much to ask? After all, He is the one that created us. He is the one that created the world. He is the one that made a way that we don't have to live in eternal punishment in in the lake of fire because of our sins and our filth and our lone lives. He says, in return, I just want you to serve me. I just want you to love me. 
You know, my, my wife, I'd do just about anything for her. Now, there's a, first, there's a few things that I wouldn't do for her. <clears throat> that, that's exactly right. I will do them one of these days. This is the way that works. But I love my wife. If somebody else was to ask me to do some of the things that my wife wanted me to do, I'd say, you know what, we're going to have to come up with a trade deal here. You're going to come up with some money or something because I ain't doing that just because I like you. <clears throat> my wife likes to garden. She loves the garden. And I thought I would be a great husband. And I said, you know what I'm going to do for my wife? I'm going to make her a greenhouse. Just a little one. Not nothing big. Just something she can get some plants started in. Maybe have a little raised bed in there. I'm going to go get me some PVC pipe. We're going to do it cheap. Don't do that. <laughs> Things went downhill. It wasn't cheap. <laughs> It didn't work. <laughs> Still ain't done, but I'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get it. Maybe next spring. <clears throat> but I love my wife. I want to do things that please her. I want to do things to make her happy. Have we got any love for God? What do we want to do to make God happy? What do we want to do? Is it too much to ask to just say, hey, I want to do this for the Lord. I want to serve Him. Is it too much to just put a smile on your face? Mercy. We walk around like we're just suffering for Jesus. <clears throat> Maybe we are. I don't know. In our... <clears throat> <clears throat> the Bible we talked about pastors talked about in Sunday school last week about being last few weeks about being carnally minded versus spiritually minded freedom instead of bondage how would you trade how are we going to trade in America tonight in our communities in our jobs. What are you giving up? What are you going to give up? How are you going to trade out? You know, just a small thing. Everybody here a while back they was talking about these mask mandates and, and these needle shots and all this stuff. What are you going to do if they tell you you have to take one or you're going to lose your job? How are you going to trade out? What are you going to do? And for the most part, most people said, you know what? I don't like it, but I got to have a job. What's the next thing? How do, we, how do we come up to the point where we're trading freedom for bondage? You know, it's not about masks. It's not about getting jabbed in the arm. I know a lot of people that jab themselves four or five times a day just for fun. <laughs> They do. They usually stick something up in there. I'm not interested. I don't like needles. Okay? I'll be on the administering end of that. I can give them all day long. Don't, my fingers and hands are not intended to be poked. <clears throat> but what do we trade out? Are we going to trade out our freedoms? Are we going to trade out... For a handful of bread or a handful of money? For the earthly things? For temporal things? What about this? What about purity for popularity? How are you going to trade? How are you going to trade? Well, everybody's wearing this. If I wear it this way, I'm not going to be accepted. If I dress this way, nobody's going to want to hang around with me. 
If I don't listen to this type of music or if I don't drive this type of a vehicle or if I don't go to these places or these parties or do these things, nobody's going to like me. If I don't go hang out with them and if I, you know, I can sit there all night long, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to drink a beer with you. But you know what? Eventually they're going to get one in your hand. What about it? How are you going to trade? What are you going to trade out for your purity, for your popularity? How are you going to trade tonight? There's many things we can go on and on. Luke chapter 15, the Bible says about the prodigal son. He traded his inheritance for the whole world. He wanted to go out in the world. He said, give me my money. He got his money. He wanted to go straight to the world. That's where he took it. You know what? He probably had a pretty good home. I think the man had it made there at the house. I think he had a family that loved him. I don't believe they were really hurting bad. You know? He had an inheritance coming to him. His daddy just said, here it is. He gave it to him. They weren't in poverty. It wasn't like he was trying to get away from here. Maybe his daddy was... Maybe he said his daddy was working him too hard. I don't know. Maybe he'd put a chainsaw in his hand one of them times or something. Pastor, and he said, I've had enough of this. I'm going to go out here where it's a good time. But anyway, he took his money and he traded that home. He traded that love. He traded his father's house for the world. And then when he gets out there into the world, he took and he traded his inheritance for even more of it. Until he had nothing. How do we trade? I want to ask us tonight, like that prodigal son, what are you doing with what God's given you? How are you trading tonight? What are you doing with what God's given you? Your talents. Your family. Your children. What are you doing with what God's given you? How are you trading on that tonight? Are you trading your talents and your gifts for the world's good or for God's glory? What about our children? Are we interested in trading sports programs for indoctrination? Are you trading out popularity? For purity? What are you trading tonight? As I said earlier, the one shop dictates the other. Is your main trade for the world or for eternity? Count the cost when you're worried about what you're going to miss out on or experience. Are you trading for time or eternity? How would you trade tonight? If you'll stand with me this evening. I'd like to have a short time of invitation tonight. Bow your heads with me. I'd like to ask you tonight, what is your trade? What have you traded so far? You know what, preacher? There's been some things in my life that I've traded out the wrong way. I've come out on the bad end of that trade deal. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not saved. And you say, you know what? You're absolutely right. All I've been doing is trading for this earth and I don't even pay no attention to eternity. As I said, just keep doing nothing. You'll go to hell in your own condition. God made a way for you tonight that you can be saved. There's nothing that you can do to earn that, but He's given you that gift. I don't know what your need is tonight, but 
you need to come up to these old benches and pray this evening, just come ahead. Don't wait on me. I wouldn't trade whatever you've got for getting things right with God. You say, you know what, preacher, I've done some things in my life that ain't been right. I've traded the wrong way. You know what, God's given forgiveness. And I want to start living right. I want to start trading right. I want to sell out to Him. I want to put Him on the throne. I want God to be the King of my life. What's holding you back? What's your hesitation? Most of the time, the longer you play with them trade deals, the worse they end up getting. You say, well, I'm going to just keep finagling around. Hopefully I can come up with a better deal. God's already given you the ultimate deal. It don't get no better than that. He created you. He loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. All He asks is that you love Him back. Serve Him. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Your heads are bowed if you pray with me this evening. Lord God, I just thank You for the opportunity to be able to come into Your house again tonight, Lord. God, I thank You for what You've done for us. Lord, I thank You for sending Your Son to die for us. God, I thank You for loving us. And I thank You that You're a just God. Lord, I ask that You'll help us to keep fresh in our minds that we're trading for something, whether it's for this old world or whether it's for eternity. And every step we take, every decision we make, Every word we speak, every thought, imagination, God, we've made a trade either for this world or for eternity. Lord, I know that you want the best for us in our life. I know that you care for us. And God, I know that all that you ask is that we love you in return. For those we love, we want to serve, we want to sacrifice. God, I ask that you'll be with each and every one that came out tonight, Lord. God, I ask that you'll be with those that came to pray this morning, this evening. Bless their hearts, Lord. Touch them. God, I just thank you for all that you do. And Lord, I want to give you the glory and the honor for anything that was said and done here tonight, Lord. It's nothing in me and all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.